0: Get ready to tune in into stories of average men striving for greatness, to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? Today I have an awesome guest. His name is Chandler Walker. Uh, Chandler has built and scaled several businesses. Uh, he has quite the portfolio. He's spoken on stage in the US, Australia, Canada, I was going to say Canadian, <laughs> Canada, Nether- the Netherlands. And he has a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which I think a lot of you will find very interesting. And this dude bought Ethereum at $15 a coin. So uh, that's been um, a pretty epic investment. And he says that nothing beats being a dad, and that's why we are having a chat today. Welcome to the show, Chandler. How you doing, man?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Pumped to be here. Pumped to talk about all of the things I'm doing. I always tell people I'm just too dumb to stop doing stuff, so I figure things out, and they
1: typically work out well. Yeah, you. Uh, we we've, we've we've chatted before, and you do have a lot going on, and you have a lot to offer. I would like uh, just a real quick plug. If you're a business owner, you got to check this guy out. Um, he's done a lot of different things and, uh, I really got excited talking to him, but today we're really going to focus on (laughs) like the cool stuff, the good stuff. And, and before, before we kind of went online here, you kind of told me that, uh, you know, parenting is, is your main gig. Everything's a side, everything else is a side gig. And man, I just absolutely love that because I think a lot of people treat their marriage, their, their parenting, the most important things in their life, just kind of like as a side gig.
0: Yeah, exactly. And to me, it's like this morning. I had a meeting and I canceled it because my little girl asked me to take her to breakfast. And I was like, "That's my main gig. That's what I'm doing. That's what I care about." And I think too many of us get focused on all the other things like business and money. And and for me, what I've realized is at the end of the day, I have this moment, this moment in time, that's essentially stopped for me to enjoy this little person. And that's going to go away. And if I waste that moment, and and if I ever waste a second of it, I'm never going to get that back. And I'm going to look back and I'm going to regret not being able to do that. And so for me, I recognize that everything I do is built around designing the freedom to be able to enjoy the time that I have, the limited time I have with her.
1: Yeah. Okay. So first of all, how old is your, how old is your daughter? She's three. Okay. So you, you've you been a, a dad for three years. You are definitely a business builder, uh, entrepreneur. You own your own businesses. You've you've had success. So That's definitely a conversation we want to go down that road. Because a lot of people will say, well... It's easy when you're an entrepreneur because you can pick your own hours. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. A lot of people will say I'm I'm working a nine to five job. I don't have time, which we can very quickly demystify and debunk that together, which I'm looking forward to. <laughs> and then I want to talk about like kind of wrapping your mind around changing the framing of the way that we operate as parents, and you know, uh, really your true asset, the only asset in the world that you cannot buy and you cannot get back is is people and time. And you you mentioned both of those. So, uh, like, tell me about like your beginning journey with being a dad, and how that have you has that design or that thought about how you deal with the time changed, or were you like that from the minute and you saw it right away?
0: Yeah. So I think I didn't really recognize the power and the love you get for another human being until I was holding her in my arms, and and she came out, and I was like, wow, this is. I've never had a feeling in my life to where I felt just like electrically shocked everywhere. And it was like this moment where you kind of want to cry and you don't really know how to react to your feelings. And typically I'm a guy who stays pretty collected. But in that moment, I was like, wow, this everything just changed. This is is it. This is me. Uh, And before that, I didn't really understand it. I didn't understand like, okay, well, I have a daughter coming. This will be fun. But I didn't recognize that until that second she came out. And so before that, and before... Her mom got pregnant and everything, I was all about like work and I was all about hustling and building business and doing all this stuff and everything changed. And I I realized that I had the power to redesign my entire life. I just wasn't allowing myself to do it before her. And, And so I think with the birth of my daughter, it really helped me recognize that I have the capabilities and I can say yes to living my life, or I can say no to it and I can give every excuse in the book as to why I can't do it.
1: Right, right, yeah. So, did you go through a period where, I mean, you said you felt it right away, but did you go through a period of adjustment where you're like, "Whoa, what do I do now?" Or do you find yourself out of order? Did you did you find yourself out of order right away?
0: Yeah. So when she first came out, I was on. Uh, I kind of I had that moment where I felt like this is it. I, I want to be a dad. This is the coolest thing in the world. And then everything sort of changed for me in that moment i learned that i really enjoyed being with her i really enjoyed holding her i enjoyed being around her i didn't feel like i needed to go out like with like the boys and, and do other things and so i guess for me it it radically reshaped the way i felt around about the world and it happened rapidly so i started to slowly and this is the way i operate too when i make a decision i just do it i don't really have an in-between And so I started to slowly just reorient everything I was doing to spend time with her. I mean, I took like paternity leave for, and I know a lot of people can't do this, but I took like eight, nine weeks, 10 weeks off from not doing anything just to to be around her. And then as I started going into it, I started reorganizing my schedule. So there wasn't any work after 5 PM. There wasn't any work on days off. There was no responding emails and just everything was built to be able to have the time that I knew I was never going to get back.
1: Yeah, that's that's a struggle for a lot of men. I mean, I I, for some reason, like I've talked to and interviewed a good amount, and I this is my story too. Is when the kid started the, my first kid came before he was born. I started a business, and I started a business that demanded a lot of time. And this seems to be like a common practice among men. It's just really weird. You were almost the opposite. You saw it immediately and dialed back. so it's it's a different narrative. It's definitely a different narrative than most men go through. They're like, I think there's this innate idea that we've got to provide more now. All of a sudden, I have to provide more. So how did you weigh out that like cost analysis of time versus money?
0: Yeah. So I kind of looked at it as, okay, I, I'm capable of making money. If I want to make money, I can essentially print money if if I need it. But I've also been in a position in the past before her to where I was making a lot of money and I didn't have the time to spend it. So I had all this money and all this stuff, but I wasn't really enjoying it. I didn't have the time to spend it. I didn't have the time to put into it. And work just became my identity. And ultimately, I think that's one of the biggest things that I figured out as she was born that work was who I was and I didn't want to be work. And so going through this existential crisis, I realized that Many of us attach to this identity of work. We attach this identity of who are you? Oh, I'm an accountant. Oh, I'm I'm a business owner. Oh, I'm I'm this. And that's what you need to be. But then I recognize that if that's all I need to be, well, what kind of legacy am I living? Like why does my life even matter at this point? And so I recognize that my values were not aligned with who I really was. And that's when I started to realize who I really was was being a dad, doing jujitsu, having fun, living that life that I was starting to envy that I didn't have that I could have and I wasn't allowing myself to step into it.
1: Do you have a do you have a, a strategy or a thought on for any man right now listening to this and is like ooh because, because I think most of us are honest and I've been through this whole this little change like where work was my identity like 100% my business was my identity what I did was my identity and I've gone through that change do you have any any suggestions on how people evaluate where they're at with their de- identity?
0: yeah that's a good question we actually have an exercise i do with people where we call it the belief values identity process oh wow and so what we do is we write down on a scale of one through ten if you know me i like to systematize and I everything no you
1: had this <laughs> I'm so glad i asked this is so weird i have okay. all
0: these things yeah so what we do is we we write down values associated with what's important to you so what is important to you and we go work family spirituality and there's about 10 different parameters and you have to write a one through ten and then next to it we, we write down how closely are you living up to these values? And then you have to write a one through 10. Then you have to go and match what, am, what do I believe in and what am I actually living up to? And right there, when you do that, that's a big self-realization moment because for a lot of men, they have a, they have a 10 on like family, but then work is a 10. And so then they're like, wow, I have a, I have a massive disconnect. And then from there, what we can do is work on reorganizing your priorities, your time and your values to value who you really want to be and create that identity that I think as men, we don't have because we live in this masculine structure to where we have to provide. We have to have bravado and we have to do all these things. But in reality, your family doesn't need any of that. My little girl doesn't care. All she cares is that daddy plays dolls with her at night. All she cares is that we go to pancake breakfast every once in a while. All she cares is that I spend my time with her. Nothing else matters.
1: Oh man, there's a lot to unwrap here. So this uh, this identity values thing, like I'm so 100% on board. I did it not so succinctly. (laughs) I'm not a system. I haven't in my past been a systems guy. I'm a systems guy now. Where it was just kind of like over time, like there's a disconnect between it. For me, it happened when I when I sold or got rid of a business. All my friends disappeared. Who thought I was friends? You know, because my whole identity was in that activity based around that business, and they just kind of dissipated. They just I'm like, "Wait, they just vanished." <laughs> I'm not the, I'm not that guy anymore because it all disappeared. I decided made a decision to close this business down so I'd have more time with my family and all of a sudden everybody disappears. My identity at that point was swept out from under my feet. And I can guarantee you that 80% of the men out there, fathers, if they were to lose their job, there's a lot of they would feel like their identity was was gone. I mean, it's just it's it's I think it's an epidemic.
0: Exactly. It's terrible. It's when your job goes away, who am I? What do I do with my time? Where do I go? I, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with my hands basically. And you have to recognize and reshape the fact that as in in the world we live in today, work has become the priority because everybody wants the white picket fence, the nice house, the car. But then that turns into working to create things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing this a lot now with like the great migration where nobody wants to work anymore. And what it really is, and I was talking to this guy at jujitsu about this. And he goes, "It's not that I don't want to work." He's like, "It's that I recognized during the pandemic that I can move into a smaller house, I can have a smaller car, I can have less things, and I just opened up twenty hours a week with my family." He was like, "I've never had this experience before. I've never had the ability to do this, and I always thought I couldn't do it." He's like, "But now I know I can."
1: Yeah. Boy, I, you know, there's a, well, this is a whole nother topic, but there was a mass exodus of people working. And it wasn't all because they were falling back on the government assistance. You know, it's really easy to say, oh, everyone's getting a free check. Well, okay, yeah, there was a, a big part of that. And we're still realizing a little bit of it, but there was a lot of people who shifted into working for themselves from home. They're like, I can make money on my own and call the shots on when I work and how I work. And it's I I I see the pandemic for families either being an absolute disaster or an absolute godsend, because the disaster is when there's abuse, when there's neglect, when there's massive depression. Uh, those things, because now you're whole these some kids they go to school for safety, they go to school, exactly. for food, they go to school for consistency, and in the home it's chaos. That's a nightmare. Yeah, one hundred percent. For some families, it was like, "Whoa, we can connect on a new level now." I still believe they need to be integrating in society, but yeah, exactly. But it was not the fact that we're you know it was great for a little bit because people realized, "Wow, I'm disconnected from my family, and there's something here." Um, so, this this practice you have. So it's values. Go through that again.
0: Yeah. So we call it the belief values framework. Basically, what we want to do is we want to outline. We have like ten associated values that we look at, and it's business, it's it's health, it's like a family, it's a spirituality, and a bunch of others. And we rate them one through ten. And so then once you rate them one through ten, now you have to. Do the same thing next to it and rate how closely am I am I living up to these values one through ten then at the bottom you say am I the person I want to be am I the best father I want to be and then usually the answer is no yeah and so then we have to go back and look at how do we reprioritize the values we want to uphold versus the values we are upholding and I made a whole worksheet on this so if anybody wants it just let me know and I'll send it over because it's it's all laid out and written out in a way to where you can follow and create these self-realization and ultimately these self-actualization moments,
1: Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats, but we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas action words and details not to mention time constraints fear not i have found a solution that allow will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes it's jarvis guys it's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true but it is not jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for per- personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. Uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not gonna read it to you because it's crazy, but go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss. Send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. What I really like about you, I learned from interviewing on another podcast was um, the fact that you have systems, you, you said this, but you have systems and your whole business, your personal business has been wrapped around like this being a whole person, like all the things involved in being healthier and happier. Uh, am I am I right? Kind of like yeah. Holistic, yeah. I'm Absolutely. Trying to, I'm trying to recall, but this really kind of struck a, a point for me because this is work that I would guess most people never, ever do. And however, it is quite possibly the biggest key to succeeding and feeling happiness is uh, by organizing and understanding who you are and who you're not, and then how that lines with your values, and then getting it in order. Because I know, I know that once I kind of placed everything in my order, my value orders, i call it my value ladder. Like I know it's kind of like a salesy thing, but what's the top value for me, and then what's second, what's third. And Then I looked, I did that. I did that like, wow, am I living these things? And Then I changed my patterns and my behaviors to match specifically. I've even put it into my morning routine where it's actually in that order. I don't do things until the most important thing is done. And then the second most important thing is done. Not that, that it's a, a task, it's just I'm recognizing every day that my wife is more important than social media. I am going to have interaction with her before I have interaction with social media. That's kind of the, what I mean by doing it in order. Um, but, but man, going through that that process you just talked about would have saved me <laughs> years <laughs> of figuring this out on my own. You're like, dang um, it. Yeah, I know. I know. Where were you, dude? Like, yeah, come, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> come out of the woodwork. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so let's talk. A lot of guys in my group will will say like, I don't know how to spend time with my kids. I don't know what to do. Now, I definitely have a lot of advice and thoughts and. But I want to hear from you because you just talked about pancake breakfast and um, you know all the little uh, playing dolls or whatever it was that you were. What? How do you know what when and how to do things with your child?
0: Yeah. So basically, uh, with me, I've I've kind of taught her that she's three, but we know how to communicate with each other. And if we want to play, I'm like, Hey, let's play. Okay, Dad. Well, what do you want to do? Okay. Well, I want to play dolls. All right, let's go play dolls. So I think the first thing that we we don't. Do usually is ask them what they want to do. Like yesterday, she was like, "I was like, what do you want for lunch?" She was like, "Pizza." Okay, where do you want pizza from? Uh, Well, from this Blind Onion. It's close to us. And I was like, "All right, let's go get pizza." So she tells me what she wants if I listen to her. I think a lot of the time we think that we have to create these like crazy things to do with our kids, but they know what they want to do. There, she's happy playing dolls at the dollhouse. She's happy going to Blind Onion for pizza. The other thing though that I do with her is I create. Like cooking dinner we'll go to the store and we'll get bugs bunny carrots because to make carrots awesome so she'll eat carrots or, or we'll get broccoli and we'll give it a cool name and then i'll help her cut with she'll i'll cut with a sharp knife and she'll say can i help and instead of saying like oh no it's dangerous I give her like a dull butter knife and I teach her, okay, put your knuckles back and then she cuts and then she has a good time with me and we cook together. And uh, and we talk about like investments and I know she's three, but we talk about investments and I'm like, okay, what do you like? Oh, a Disney. I didn't know, can we do Disney? We'll buy some Disney stock. Or we were on the crypto market and she was like, oh, unicorn coin. And okay, we'll buy some unicorn coin. So I kind of try to, uh, number one, I ask her what she wants to do and she tells me. And then number two, I make things that I kind of want to do with her fun. So she'll keep doing it and she'll keep wanting to do it. Uh, And then on top of that, once or so a week, I try to find something new. So we we go to Chuck E. Cheese, we go ice skating, we go skiing or snowboarding, whatever it is. But I try to find a new activity that we can do together that's fun that I don't know how to do either sometimes and that we can kind of learn and grow together.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think by kind of implementing those types of activities early, when they turn to the age of like my kids, they're still going to be like, they'll know how. You've taught them how to interact with you and how to. I think a lot of people just expect that their kids are going to always want to do things with them, but they also have this expectation or this preconceived notion that they know how to do things with them. We can't ignore the fact that we have to teach our kids how to interact with us as well. Um, You know, kids, let them be and they'll play. Like just, but but sometimes they got to learn how to integrate other people. So asking questions, I've never, I've never regretted asking more questions than anything else.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, was, I had this magical parent moment the other day because I'll sit there and he, like most people know when kids are three or so, they'll ask why 744 times about everything. And for me, I really like that because she's like, daddy, why is the, she asked me a question that it, why is the, why is the grass green? And I was like, well, because the chlorophyll molecules and we started like breaking down biochemistry. But then the other day I was, I said something to her and she goes, what do you mean? And then I had to be like, well, because of this, well, what, what does that mean? And she's like downward arrow technique in me that I've done to her. And so we learn how to re-interact. I, I've learned that if I, the more patient I am with answering questions, the more questions she'll ask and the more likely it is we interact well together. And I think if we can do that as they get older, they learn that they're not stupid for answering, asking questions to us, that nothing's dumb, that they can interact with us and we're not going to be impatient with them. We're not going to tell them, well, I don't know why the grass is green or, and I think it really gives us this opportunity to open and grow with them and to say, well, I don't know. And my little girl even say, oh, daddy, you don't know. Can you can you look it up? She knows what the Google is. So then we'll Google it together.
1: Right. Yeah. So another comment I've gotten is that um, their parents, men, and, you know, you say, hey, I just take my kids to the park if, or ask them, hey, you want, what do you want to go to the park? Do you want to play Legos? What do you want to do? They say, go to the park. And he's like, yeah, but I get bored when I'm there. I'm like, okay, so how do you engage with your child uh, with intentionality
0: yeah so what i do is instead of going to the park and like just sitting there and i'm like bored and on my phone at the park i'd get in there and i play with her like i'm the dad on the slide like she'll go down the slide i'll go down the slide i'll catch her we'll get on the swings we'll play together and so what i kind of do is i pull myself to the moment and and sometimes i think it's really challenging to do this for a lot of us but when we get there i I look at her and i'm like i have this human being here who i'm molding and growing and and this human being wants to have fun and i need to recognize that i can actually have fun with her i don't have to be an adult i can be a three-year-old with her and so we'll we'll play on the slides on the swings i'll slide down with her we'll do all the things together uh, if she falls, I pick her back up. But I think when you make it a game for yourself, like, hey, I'm just going to play and have fun. I'm three today too. Then it becomes like a blast. And all of a sudden the other parents are like, man, that dude's having a lot of fun over there. And it becomes this event that you turn it into. You have to make it fun for yourself too. You can't just show up to the park and expect them to play. And then that's it.
1: I was Pysh, uh, I did a live with Angelo Sisko uh, this week on The Brotherhood. And we talked about men need recess too. Like we still go back to like, think about it. You know, you work hard and then like two or three times a day, the way it used to be, you'd stop and you'd go have recess. And, uh, we weren't on our phones. We didn't care about writing notes to each other until we got to middle school, high school. But, um, (laughs) but I think that's a, like what we need to think about when we're with our kids. Like I need to have play. It's okay to be play and be goofy. I don't know about you, but I walk around, I walk by, uh, Now, my kids are older sometimes with them, sometimes not. I walk by parks all the time. There's parks all around my house. And 99% of the time, the parent is sitting there staring at a phone. I'm like, what is the point? I they're
0: on the park bench over there. And you're like, hey, get up. Come on. Let's play. This is fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and just even like looking at the lack of intentionality around the way they're spending time with their kids, you know, like they get the badge. I went to, I took my kids to the park today, but talking to Angelo, he's like, no, I got, I got on and got. I got silly. I didn't care. Yeah. If I was wearing my Lululemon pants or is wearing raggy. It doesn't matter. I just go play because I didn't care when I was a kid what I was doing or what my clothes looked like when I was done. I just went and play. And I think there's a lot to just letting down your inhibitions, you and at the risk of looking silly, just go do the stuff because you'll have a blast.
0: Exactly, and it's really fun. Like we all often look at what am I going to look like to other people, and I'm like, I don't care. We get in the car, we roll down the windows, and I'm singing Frozen and making up like notes for Beauty and the Beast. We get at the park, and then when you really do it, you're like the cool parent. And all the other parents want to start doing it, and then they feel comfortable doing it. So I think it takes it takes the intentionality of saying I can play, I can have fun. And like yesterday, we I blow dried her hair for 45 minutes and just talked to her. Which is really fun. She's three. I can't believe she sat there that long. But long we time. blow dry- Yeah, right. I was like, this is crazy. But we, I, I like comb it and like, how's that? Oh, it's still a little wet. Okay, let's keep going. Forty-five minutes later, it was dry. But we had a conversation. I blow dried her hair. We had a good time, and and I think that's it. I'm not afraid to be, for lack of a better term, and just an idiot and have fun because I'm not. I don't have to be an adult. Age is a construct we've created to put ourselves in this bracket to where we are. But in reality, for me, when I'm with her, I'm three. And, and I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to sing. I'm going to play on the park. I'm going to ro- roll around. I'm going to do somersaults. It doesn't matter.
1: Don't you think that has a lot to do with the fact that you're solid in your identity? You've gone through the value work. You've gone through your. your you, you've done the work, and so you think, well, if I look like an idiot, it doesn't matter because I'm a parent first, or whatever your value matter is.
0: Exactly, and so it's like, well, if I look like an idiot, well, who thinks I'm an idiot? The people that don't matter. They're not in my belief value system. Who does matter my little girl does she laugh? yeah is she having fun? Yeah, does she talk about it? Yeah, that's a win because now my identity and values associated with parenting are a ten and that's exactly where I need to be. so it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because they're not in my value ladder
1: yeah, and that that goes back to identity and um, maybe a little self-esteem I think if you're feeling that way there's there's some work that needs to be done like what do you value and why do you care what Joe Schmo down the corner thinks like literally, why do you care? how does that affect your life and this is this is a lesson so hard to teach to kids but you know uh i have teenagers and my son my oldest son just got a haircut and he had long you know you have long hair he had long hair and everybody loved it It was kind of curly and long and wavy and um he got a haircut and it was a little shorter than he wanted and i swear like at that moment i saw in him what i see in a lot of men his identity was gone like it wasn't but his first reaction was i don't want to see, what did i do i don't want to see anybody I'm not the same person. And I'm like, dude, everything about you is exactly the same. Nothing has changed except for how you are perceiving it. And he's like, Well, yeah, people are saying things. I'm like, that don't matter. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's fine. so hard. It's so hard. But I think we do that as adults.
0: We do. We look at it. It's like, I mean, look at my hair. I used to have this like high and tight, short haircut, no beard. And then one day I was like, I'm gonna grow it long. But and most people won't do that because they're afraid. What, what if I look stupid with long hair? What if I'm not masculine enough? What if people think I'm feminine? Or and I'm like, who cares? Like I grew my hair long and I like it. People like it. It's awesome. And it's because I had the confidence to do it. And so, as adults, not even adults, just as people, we have to learn to respect what we want and what's important to us. And the fact that other people aren't really that worried about us. Every one of us are afraid that someone else is worried about who we are, but no one else really cares. So we're all stuck in this ecosystem to where we're worried about other people. They don't care. And really, we only need to be worried about ourselves because yeah. that's all people are thinking about is what am I going to do? What am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to do at work? They're not thinking about, Oh my gosh, Chandler grew a man bun. So I don't know about him anymore.
1: <laughs> well, if they knew the true you, it doesn't really matter. That's what I keep saying to my kids. And it's really hard. You got to start very young. Like it, it, like, does that change who you are in, Anyway, well, no, not really. Okay, so do you really care if the people perceive you differently? Do they really care about who you really are? Well, probably not. So let's yeah, not no. worry about those people. Now, I mean, I will say, like, it's never-ending struggle. I'm like massively balding, and I love wearing hats. And sometimes I feel like I think I'm covering up, and I don't know if that's like something I'm doing, but like, I just love wearing hats. I don't want to go without a hat. That's
0: <laughs> like, yeah, for it wasn't sure, my thing.
1: But. Uh, <laughs> But I, I had someone a few months ago. I was at an event. I had my hat on. He's like, "Go talk to the bald guy." And I was, he's like, "Yes, yeah, Scott. I'm talking about you." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know." Like, I'm like you're <laughs> yeah, not telling. It's me, fine. And and <laughs> before before doing the identity work and the belief work, that would have sidelined me for weeks. Like, I mean, it would have. I would have been embarrassed. I would have been mad. I would have held it against him. Yeah, I still remember the event, and it was like, "What? Wait. Oh, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard to deny. Um, but I think those are things that we have to do self checks on all the time ourselves because we need to have those in line so our kids can have them in line.
0: Exactly. And, and I think one thing that really helps here is internal conversation. There's a technique called downward arrow technique in cognitive behavior therapy. And it's, well, it's like, hey, I, I want to grow a man bun or hey, I'm balding. Does that matter? No. Well, why doesn't it matter? Because nobody cares. Well, what if someone said something? Well, why would their opinion matter? And you just keep questioning yourself. And the more you get comfortable questioning yourself internally, the more comfortable you can get at solidifying the reasons why it doesn't matter. And even with kids, they start getting bullies. I, I, I'll teach this to her, but a bully says you're stupid. And you ask him, Oh, okay. Well, why do you think I'm stupid? I don't know. And then you turn, turn it around on the bully. And then all of, a, all of a sudden, the bully doesn't know how to interact with you except maybe violence. But you teach people how to communicate externally and internally. And create that value system and you teach people how to essentially live free they can finally be free
1: this episode is brought to you by the men of alpha hippie alpha hippie is the premier men's coaching company helping the men of brotherhood of fatherhood step up and be the change they want for themselves and their families alpha hippie is for any man who feels like he's struggling to take action in his life or like he's burned a few too many bridges on his rise to the top If you're the type of guy who spends all his time reading self-help books, trying to meditate, or consuming endless self-improvement YouTube videos, but nothing is quite landing like you think it should, then Alpha Hippie is for you. If you feel stressed, depressed, stuck, lost, or like you're not living up to your full potential, then Alpha Hippie is the answer for you. In the Alpha Hippie program, you will destroy your limiting beliefs, regain control of your life, and start to live with inspiration and motivation. Alpha Hippie is not one of those sign up and forget about it programs. We all know about those. It's not just watching a bunch of videos from a 20 year old life coach. It's a program built by men for men. We're ready to make a change and delivered by men who've gone through this themselves. That is very important. We have lived in the trenches and understand what it takes to rise up and craft a life worth living. If you're ready to stop making excuses, and invest for yourself, then head over to brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. Again, that's www.brotherhoodfatherhood.com slash alpha. I do this with my fears and I do it, I write it out. So I write out like, I used to be upset when I lost a customer. I'd be like, okay, well, let's write this out. What am I fearful of? Losing a customer. What's the worst thing? What's the next thing that could happen because I lose a customer? Uh, a little less money comes in. Okay, what's the big deal about little mess of money comes in? Um, I'll have to trim it down for a month. Okay, and, and and by the time I'm done, this may be a different technique, but I heard this from somebody. By the time I'm done, I'm like, this is no freaking big deal. Like I'm just walking down a road that's like, even I go down the most destructive path, and I'm like. Okay, so I lose my business. I built one once. I can do it again. Like your brain puts itself back into alignment. So is that kind of like the downward arrow thing? Yeah, okay that's
0: exactly it. It's basically and it's essentially a core belief philosophy. And you look at engineering, like Toyota engineers, when they have a problem, they ask themselves why eight hundred times until they figure out the solution. And so when you look at this technique, it's it's exactly what you're saying. You just question it until it becomes like, okay, either this is the core problem I have or okay, this is irrelevant.
1: yeah. And I'll tell you what, fears typically end up being irrelevant. (laughs) Almost 100%. (laughs) Like, you know, I, I, even when I'm like, I've had people like, I might die. Uh Uh-huh. Will you be worried about it after that? Can you control that? No.
0: All right. Cool. (laughs) What are you going to do now? Well, I don't know. I guess (laughs) not be afraid of dying.
1: (laughs) It's so crazy how we work. Like, yeah,
0: we're, and and it's, it's, it's it's I would say ridiculous, but it's not because it's it's a psychological adaptation from an evolutionary mechanism to keep us alive. So in the past, it would have kept us from getting eaten by something or killed. But today in a safe society, it creates this like massive roadblock and it creates a systemic problem to where we can't move forward because fear creates the idea of the paradox of choice where there's too many options and all looks bad. And then we just don't do anything. And then down the road, we talked about time earlier, we regret not doing it. So it's a cycle of regret that we fall into.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think this is stuff that just men have to embrace because really honestly, when you get your your identity right and you get rid of some fears and you deal with some self-talk, all these things that you're talking about because this is this is part of your what you built business out of. You understand it to a core level, you were educated in this area. That is probably why when you first had your daughter there was a very quick shift to this is this is a belief of mine. A lot of guys aren't equipped with that. But I believe that once they become equipped with that, almost everything else will fall in line.
0: Exactly. You you stop worrying about what's not important and you start thinking about how to make what you want important work. And you get rid of this idea, of this, this masculine-feminine balance that men sometimes think they need to fall into and move into this balance of I'm in the middle and I'm going to move where I need to be. And I don't care where it takes me. I don't care if. I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm playing dolls and putting makeup on my face with my daughter. I don't care if I walked around for two weeks with pink toenails because we painted our toenails together. And it moves you into this environment where it's like, I just don't care. And right. what's happened to me with a lot of my people, to people in my circle, they they send me messages and, and talk to me about like, how do I do that? How do I move into this without feeling stupid? And then we, it's the values, beliefs, identity association that we talk about to Allow you to recognize and see what really matters and and what's important to you and how to pursue that.
1: Right, right. And I think it goes the same way. Like even like a, a stupid example that I just thought of is like I don't like dancing. Like it's it, I think at some point it was a self esteem thing, but it's just like that's something I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to be okay with being like yeah I'm not gonna be the guy that dances. I'm sorry, it's not I don't enjoy it. But it, but sometimes I feel like everyone's dancing. I should be dancing, and um, it's just. Like I'd rather, I don't know, it's it's just the thought I had is like, hey, it's okay not to want to do that. I just don't want to do it.
0: It's true. It's okay to say, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to do that because that's not me and it's a hundred percent. And then that becomes a confidence thing. It's okay to say, I don't want to do that. It's okay to say, I do want to do that and it's okay to recognize where you fall into the game. And, And ultimately the game comes down to how do I maximize the time I have available and how do I become the best, insert your values here. Today and tomorrow, so that way, in ten years from now, I don't regret not doing it. Because, at the end of the day, most people on their deathbed aren't going to say, "I wish I would have worked more. I wish I would have made more money. Gosh, I wish I would have put more hours in at the office."
1: One saying that, yeah,
0: they're gonna they're gonna sit down. They're gonna say, "I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have gotten to know my daughter. I wish I would have talked to my dad more." It's going to come down to the fact that they wish they would have had more time with the people they loved. And ultimately, that's the biggest regret at the end of life.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Let's shift gears because I think you've given us like a lot to think about. Men, if you are struggling with your identity or beliefs, or kind of like some of this is like, oh my gosh, I need to work on this. And we'll make sure you can connect with Chandler if if that's even an option. Uh, But I mean, just even what he said, like, hey, this is a tool you should use. You should start with here. Um, I want to talk about jujitsu. <laughs> I just <laughs> said so total, it wasn't planned, but you're a purple belt, man. And I know that is not an overnight thing. The more I'm learning about jujitsu, which I am not in, um, but I my circles are surrounding me. I'm like being suffocated by not doing <laughs> it. Uh, how long you been doing that?
0: Yeah. So I actually started jujitsu in 2009, before it was like super popular and big. And then from about nine to 13, I, I was involved and I got my blue belt and then I took a break from 2013 to like 2016. And then I got my blue purple belt in 20, I think 2018. And so now I'm like six months away from my brown belt. And if you're not familiar with jujitsu belt, it's white, uh, blue, purple, brown, black. There's only five belts and it's like a 10 year process. I am going
1: to say, you're kind of, uh, for taking the time off, you're kind of on a fast curve, it sounds like. Yeah. I,
0: I told the, my jujitsu coach, he's like, how long have you been doing this? I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, you're on track. Okay, okay, great, wonderful. But for me, it's it, check the ego aside. I'll be a purple belt for the rest of my life. It doesn't really matter, but I do try. I think the biggest thing for me is I'm consistent and I'm in there and I practice very intentionally, just like I do with my life. So if we learn three techniques, I'm going to do those three techniques for the next week to make sure I hammer those down. I don't care if I get tapped out. I don't care if I get beaten up. I'm going to hammer those out. So I understand what I'm doing from a minimalist level, not from, I know everything.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good approach. What is, what is doing jitsu ch- taught you or how has it helped you grow grown outside of just your physicality?
0: Yeah, jujitsu, it's a, it's a million lessons wrapped into one beating sometimes. And so it's taught me that there's a push-pull in life. And it's taught me that there's always the ability to lean in and lean out. And what that means is if someone's aggressive, I can lean out and be a little bit non-aggressive. If someone's not aggressive, I can be a little more aggressive. If someone's in the middle, I can push pull till I figure out where the balance is. And jujitsu has taught me that because when I'm rolling with someone who's hyper aggressive, I'll be defensive and they'll burn out, gas out, and then I can be aggressive. If someone's not very aggressive, I can lean into them a little bit more. And so it's taught me that there's a balance in life and a balance that you can use based on the people you're interacting with. And it's not being mean or a jerk or anything like that. It's recognizing that the character states we have and that we live in, are able to be molded and adjusted based on the people we interact with. And so aside from that, jujitsu's has taught me essentially how to check my ego. I'm going to get beat up all the time. I'm going to get thrashed. People are going to tap me out. I'm going to get in weird positions. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if I can detach myself from the outcome of winning, I can move into the outcome of improving.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's really good i've never heard it kind of told that way and it makes so much sense And you can kind of start to see looking from the outside from a total outsider what the draw is because you know for for an outsider i'm seeing uh you're grabbing people in really weird positions you're laying on each other on the floor you're like sweaty parts are all over them exactly it's so easy to focus (laughs) on the oddity of it and i think that there's no way that it's grown the way it has If that's what people care about, which it's not, obviously, it's something I'm going to have to do.
0: Yeah, it's no way around it. It's a blast, and I tell like when you're rolling, I'll be like, "Hey, can I try this thing I call the spooning technique?" So I'm going to spoon with you, and then I'm going to roll over here, (laughs) and you kind of have fun with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and and hey, look, it's uh, in the end, you're trying to gain the upper hand. You're trying to use somebody's what movement against them.
0: Yeah, it's a chess game. So it's like, if this guy does this, I'm going to do that to make them do this so I can get over here. And it's it's also recognizing it's like a systems mindset. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Oh, step three didn't work. Fix that next time. Okay. Well, it did work this time, but then step four was a disaster. Okay, fix that. And then it teaches you how to not only just think in a systems mindset, but how to think in the moment, how to analyze a situation and understand how to take quick, decisive action, analyze your action and fix it within like a, a five minute time frame. So then if you can take that systems thinking mindset and move it to your life, all of a sudden, now you can react to stress, you can react to issues and you can adjust them and, and create different differences in them and make them better and improve on your processes without going into the paradox of choice and fear and falling apart.
1: Yeah. That's really cool. I'm a fan of preparation, like just being prepared for things and, and um, It seems to me that uh, jiu-jitsu is a great way to be prepared for violent situations where you can de-escalate it and keep keep people safe without resorting really to violence. Was that a thought with you getting into it or did you get into it for another reason?
0: Yeah. Originally for me, it was like, okay, how can I do something that is going to work? But then I can also use to put people down and essentially hold them in a place if I need to, to like the police arrive or whatever. How can i have and now as i get later in life with my daughter and everything it's if something does happen how do i put someone in a position to where it's not a bloody battle and i can put them in a position to where they're not functional they're in a submission or whatever until someone arrives Mm -hmm. because i always think about if you get into like a fist fight with someone on the street or you have to protect your family or whatever your child children see that and it's a certain amount of ptsd associated with what's just happened but if you can put someone into a a submission and talk with them through it It allows you to deescalate situations and teach them what's happening uh and it also teaches you to have confidence in the way you speak so i had i was at the gas station the other day Uh, if you've ever been in costco trying to get gas it's a complete disaster so i pulled into my pump this guy comes in with these like swishy pants you could hear him he's like swish 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 i was like this guy's coming fast at me and my so i i step out of the car and my daughter's in her car seat and i start walking towards the guy and i said hey you, you need to stop right now put your put your uh a little stop the pep in your step and tell me what's going on. He was mad because he thought I cut in front of him. And I was like, okay, well, if, even if I did cut in front of you, uh, it wasn't intentional. I'm sorry. I'm a bad person. You're smart. I'm dumb. You're strong. And so it teaches you that you don't have to have an ego. I don't have to step up and fist fight that guy like most people think they would need to. I can deescalate the situation with my words because I know if it does result in actually physical violence that I can hold my own. And it also teaches you, like, I don't need to expose her to that. I need to make sure that my entire ecosystem in this is designed around de escalation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, uh, eight, eight years ago, I took my kids, I went to go pick up my kids from school because I made it a part of my day to take them and pick them up. And I was driving down my road and I saw these three weird people walking. I mean, they were just like two guys and a girl. And I'm like, something's not right. Came back home with my boys, little boys at that time. Like five and eight, probably, Uh, and I uh, my my son's like, oh, the realtor's here. The realtor, like, what are you talking (laughs) about? Well, he'd gone into our coat closet, which was around the corner, and there was someone hiding, and it was one of those guys and meth heads. um, I'm like, what are you talking about? So I walk back there, and here's this guy, and he looks at me, and I think about that over and over again. My kids were in danger. Um, The other two had bailed. They were they were. My uh, gun safe was completely like they were trying to pry it open with a crowbar. I mean, (laughs) this is a bad situation. And having had jujitsu, I probably could have just subdued him. I mean, like, you know, he wasn't strong. He was meth head. He was weak. And I'm like, man, if I would have only been prepared, like, because then the police could have been called, you know, a lot. He ended up going to prison for that. But anyway, (laughs) there was a moment when he was, he came up to me and pushed me. And started running that I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen. And I had no control of that. So I hope for everybody's sake, they do something to understand how to handle those situations. No yeah, what.
0: exactly. Because we never, we're never we never prepared until it happens. And then we yeah. wish we would have been prepared. So to put yourself into a situation like jujitsu to where if someone pushes you, I can put them to the ground and hold them there. And even tell my little girl that you hey, call the police. The police are here to protect us. They'll they'll come and take this guy away. And then to be able to hold him there is ultimately it's very physical, but it's also the gentle art of jujitsu. I don't have to break my wrist punching this guy in the face. I can move him to a position to where I have power and authority and I can hold him there and I can talk him down. Like, hey, are you done? Are you going to sit here? Hey, get my zip ties. there in the closet, zip tie the guy together. And the cops come in, and there's the guy hog tied, ready to go, and they can take him away. So I think that puts you in a position of power. <laughs>
1: I wish I would have done it. Wish I would have known. I didn't. I didn't. And I was fearful and angry and, you know, and, and, uh, yeah, it could have been bad. So I think for our kids' sakes, that's something to look into to bring this full circle. I mean, we talked about, you know, Parenting isn't a side gig, and being prepared and being having all the skill sets and the thing mindsets and our own beliefs in, in line are what make this a full. Like this is the main thing, and I love that you say that. I think that's amazing. So uh, let's uh, wrap this up. I want people to understand a little bit about what you do because it was a we kind I you know we kind of alluded to it, and then you you uh, you, you mentioned some things that reminded me. So give us your bio, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. So we have a couple different programs. We have the program we call the six pillars of wellness, where we work with people on nutrition. We work on, it actually goes in this order, mental health, social health, nutrition, fitness, habits. And it's not like a weight loss program or something like that. It's a program to where you can create and capture the identity that you want but that you're not living up to. So you learn how to think, you learn how to write down what your identity is. You learn to write down what's important to you. You learn to approach our us as your coaches with it. This isn't a course. So you write it down, we talk to you through it. And then you ultimately create this identity that says, this is what's important to me and this is what I'm going to pursue. So if anyone's interested in that, you can go to sixpillars.stoneagefield.com. And we talked a little bit about weight loss, but it's ultimately about becoming a better human. The other thing we do is we have a a sales program, sales and communication program to where we call compassion conversations. How to communicate and ask questions in a way to where you can facilitate therapeutic conversation without being manipulative, aggressive, or essentially attacking people and making them feel like they need to make a decision. So it's communication at the base, how to learn to ask questions and how to learn how to drive deeper into those questions. So if anyone's interested in that framework, you can just go to 9step.cultureofcare.life. And then if you're interested in talking to me, you can obviously just go to my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Chandler SAF. You'll see my picture i have sunglasses my daughter's on my back and i have a cool beard you can see the man bun i think and so uh just connect with me on there and send me a dm with any questions you have because i'm happy to interact and and engage with people as well
1: yeah you've been nothing but giving uh, in the conversations we've i've had with you you just give which i think people need to understand there's not always strings attached sometimes we just want to help and it's okay and if a service that we offer is in line with what you need even better that's great we'll go for it so chandler it's been phenomenal talking with you i'm going to drop all those details in the show notes in the in the youtube description and on um, the socials so you guys just if you're hearing this just go find me if you don't remember what he said because you'll find everything about him <laughs> perfect dude i love i i I've, t- I've talked to my business partner about your sales stuff um, and I, I just I love what you're doing. I think it's so incredibly important for everybody to understand who they are and why they do it. Because um, in the end, if you treat your uh, your parenting like or your your relationships like a side gig, you're going to get the results of a side gig, which usually aren't a lot. So exactly I really appreciate that viewpoint, man.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. And if you tr- if your family is your side gig, which for most people, sadly, it is that's exactly what it becomes. You lose the attachment to your kids. You don't know how to talk to your kids. You lose the attachment to be able to speak to your your spouse and you ultimately lose that aspect of life, which is where I think a lot of people end up and they don't know how to get back. And and if you're in that position, you're not a bad person. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just stuck. And sometimes you either need a little help to get unstuck or you need to figure out how to associate your values and adjust your life to where now everything's cohesive. And, And that's what we need. We need that balance to create cohesiveness to where we feel good as human
1: beings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chandler, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it, brother.
0: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed this and happy to chat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Like I said, find Chandler's details. Check him out. If anything he's talked about is interesting, it's definitely interesting to me and I know the importance of the work that he's doing. And uh, hey, look, if you enjoyed this podcast, you know the drill. You need to subscribe. You go give us a rating and then it doesn't stop there. You actually can give feedback. You can write what you think. You could say it's awesome. You can say it sucks. It's totally up to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I would just love if you did it. So rate, subscribe, and review. And that's, oh, and if you're a dude and <laughs> dude, if you're a guy and you want to kind of plug into our community, Facebook um, is the place, Brotherhood of Fatherhood, and check out the private group for men only. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.